0: Waking up every day and just, you know, just trying to create something new for somebody to sit down in the restaurant and go like, wow, this was amazing. This was an amazing experience.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The beauty of food lies in fond memories of past feasts, of recipes passed down over generations of reaching into the pantry of your parents and paying homage to the cuisine of your ancestry. But what are the pressures in presenting that in a restaurant setting? A.K. Ramakrishna is the executive chef and co-owner of EXO and Illy Dining in Canberra. A.K., how are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good. It's good to get you on the show. Thank you. Firstly, thank you for
0: having me on the show. It's a very big privilege. Thank you feel like a rock star.
1: Well, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear your story because, you know, over, over at EXO, you guys have been the real quiet achievers in Canberra doing some pretty special things where you, you're reaching into your the your ancestry and presenting it in a new light. Um, tell, us, t- tell us a little bit about EXO.
0: EXO, um, Southeast Asian food. Um, originally, I kid you not, seven years ago when we started this and people said what is exo food or, or what style is it and we go southeast asian i'm malaysian in background ken's vietnamese in background but we jokingly always said that exo's food was mama's food on steroids and, and people were laughing Go like what do you mean by that and it's like how do you take mama's food that was put on that table into a dining scene table in australia and that's essentially what EXO stands for, the, the style of food, the flavor of the food, the cuisine itself. So basically, it's heritage. Basically, it's trying to, to funk what we ate as a kid. Well,
1: tell us about the beginnings of EXO. You mentioned it was about seven years ago now. When, when, the, first, when the idea of, of putting the restaurant together and finding the location, tell us about that period of time. Oh,
0: all right. Cool. So we us, rewind into seven years ago. And um, so Kent and I have um, worked in another restaurant before then. And, and we actually became close out of common interest for hip hop, music and shoes, essentially. But we enjoyed eating. And we always jokingly said, "Man, one day we should do this funky ass, you know, fusion food." And everyone's doing fusion, but we need to dig deeper. Fusion is, is man, mm, but we need to dig deeper. And we always jokingly said that. And one fine day, when I moved back to Sydney to open up another cafe, Kent and um, Greg said, "Hey, I need you to fly down to Canberra." I'm like, "Okay, why?" I'll oh, just fly down. We already bought you the, the flight tickets. You need one day come in, fly in, fly out. And we're like, yeah, all right, cool. And that day happened and we rocked up to Narabunda and we rocked up to the old Artisan space. So Artisan was a was a top five restaurant back in the days. Um, and we walked into that space and I was like, ooh, what are we doing here? And then the boys just threw the ball like, hey, what do you think of the space? Go have a look at the kitchen. I'm like, okay, what's, what? And that's ideally when that ideology just started. Just curveball and go like, all right. And immediately after viewing that that area, the kitchen and everything, we went and had lunch. And Greg and Ken was like, all right, this is the idea. If we really want to do this, this is how we're going to do this. We need to hit certain targets. But as far as food and, and, and how we're going to present it, it's going to be just you and Kenty. I'm like, oh, wow cope. Cool. And then we were like, okay, how are we going to do this? So whilst I was still working and running that cafe in Sydney, I would come down once a month and see the boys and hang on to the boys. And we had this small group of friends who go out dining a lot and everything. It's like, hey, we're going to borrow Kenty's mom's restaurant. And we're just going to slide in a few dishes and to see what, what people think of what me and Kent can do. And we were like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. We did that. Obviously, the first trial sucked. Bad. Pressure and trying to do too much. The first trial was bad. People were like, all right, I don't know what you all want to do, but don't do this. This is going to kill you all. Okay. A month later, we did another trial. So we did up to about 11 trials before we actually opened up the pre-opening. It, we... Kent and I did a lot of hard work, which is also included me, me and him meeting up, going to Sydney. He would drive down after work, come and crash up at my place, and the next day just go eat up a few places. Things that we thought were like, this is where your benchmark is. This is if you want to do something well, you want to be as good as these guys, or not? You're not doing hard enough. And we we did that a few times, but the second trial when we did it, it was of total 100% flip from the first trial. we were like, now you guys are getting, you're getting direction and all that actually because Kent spoke to his mom, I spoke to my mom, go like, hey mom we need some help, we need some real roots, not not funky things we want to do because the first trial was, was a raw Kent and myself on the plate whereas the second trial we toned it down, we refined it and we made it more Acceptable, but still different. Interesting different.
1: Was, was there a dish or a moment um, where you captured that voice, where you kind of had reached into your past and and discovered a dish that kind of epitomized what you guys were trying to create?
0: Um, I think there was two dishes that that we pulled off. There, there was actually quite a few dishes. There's quite a few dishes. One of the dish, the whole camera nurse is our Asian bolognese. And that Asian Bolognese, I remember Kenty telling me once, if you ever open a restaurant, I want you to come and see mom and you want to do this dish. I'm like, oh, what is it? It's like, it's a noodle dish. I'm like, is that what we're going to do? We're going to do a noodle dish in a dining restaurant, bro? And he's like, no, you got to try this. Um, drove down from Sydney to Canberra, reached Canberra around 5, 6 o'clock in the morning and went straight to Ken's house. And mom was already there with all the mise plus. I'm like, wow. And he cooked and, and, and mom just explained step-by-step step in Vietnamese and can translate it and goes like, hey bro, this is what I want you to do, but you're funk. I'm like, yeah, cool. As soon as mom whipped up that dish, I was mind blown. I was like, bro, I don't even want to change anything. Hey, I just, I literally want to use this like this and just, you know, just cook it properly. Like there is nothing to funk. Nobody's doing this. We want to do this to the T. And then my family is Indian, Malaysian Indian. So we don't eat beef. So a rendang was not something you have in our in our family table. But I always wanted to do a rendang because I always found rendangs outside of Malaysia very different, very watery. Some were like beef cubes in curry and there's like, that's a Malaysian rendang. I'm like, that's not a Malaysian rendang. Don't do this to me. Anyway, I studied the dish and I... I tried really hard and that was one of the dishes in the second trial and everyone was like what is this and then that's, that, that's one of the beginnings um, there's a very classic Vietnamese dish that reminds Kenti of home and Vietnam and family and it's called a vitim it's actually a, like a like a roast duck dish in a, in a herbal broth with lots of mushrooms and spices and he goes like bro if he can ever nail this dish It'll be good. So how would you nail a very simple dish? We, we extracted the broth properly, but with the duck, I confit the duck. You know, we slow cooked the the more Asian mushrooms. And it was just a more prettier plate than what you'd have in a Vietnamese house. And uh, I hope Kent won't kill me for this, but Kent started getting curry when he tried that first dish, he like, bro. How did you do it? It's like mom's but elevated and and that's when that's when Greg Ken and me knew we were like, hey, we onto something if we don't go overboard and over silly. Like it has to to touch sensitive nerves for us to know that we're doing we're going the right direction. As opposed to just throwing something on a plate.
1: I want to explore more of what you're doing at EXO and also Illy Dining, but take us back to when you were young uh, and growing up. What sort of role did food play in your family?
0: Um, Very, very, very big. Um, Mom was a nurse. Mom was a nurse from the time I was born until until she retired. Um, Being a nurse, you do hospitality hours. She had the morning shift, she had afternoon shift, and she did overnight shift as well. Um, so cooking and me were very close tied because I was the oldest son. Um, but also, my father's father, my grandfather, owned two restaurants in our hometown. So when I was born itself, I was born into a restaurant and saw dad. And and I was when when I was a bit more older, six seven years old, I became the executive chef there. The reason why I say that is, grandpa would cook something and he'd give me the taste, and if I go, yeah, it's good. Then you'll go out to the restaurant. And go. I go like, no, it's too spicy. And then Grandpa will actually fix it. And and all the chefs used to enjoy it. And obviously, I grew up to be a very, very fat kid. A very fat kid. But I loved food. So I was always around food and grandpa and, and, and cooking. And even when I went to go and do my culinary school. So by the time I was 10, 11, I was cooking for my brothers. I was doing... Think that my mom would just pass on to me and go, hey, this is what you want to do. You want to put it inside there, cook it for 10 minutes and then do that. And then she would come back. If she does afternoon shift, she would come back at 9 p.m. And Malaysians, we eat dinner then. But dinner would be ready. I would have cooked rice. Dad would be like, yeah, thanks, son. And, you know, all the brothers would be there and everything. But, yeah, cooking and me were were very close. I didn't know I was going to be a chef or I wanted to be a chef but it came very natural for me. Even, even it even impressed my grandfather a lot. My grandf- like I, would, I was literally the favorite grandson because I shared this common passion. My grandma was like, please don't be a chef. Please don't be a chef. Try to be like you know, your uncles and, and your cousins. Be a doctor. Be an engineer. That's what we all do. Like I've got so many doctors and engineers in the family. But by the time I was 15, I was like, yeah, game set. I know what I want to be. I'm going to do this.
1: Tell us about some of the the dishes and the feasts that you had as a kid in your family that sort of speak of where you're from.
0: Um, I'm from Ipoh, so it's about two hours north of Kuala Lumpur. Um, And and the style of food that we do at EXO is a shared concept. So, you know, you bring the plate in the middle, you go, this is your rice, your curry, your dishes, your side condiments, share and eat it. And, And that's what we do at EXO. And the reason why we did that is because Ken and I were raised like that. Like it was never an individual meal for yourself, like chicken, peas, and mash kind of thing. Where we were like we had three protein dishes, two side veggie dishes, and a big bowl of rice, and everyone just digs in. And and that's how we wanted to bring it into EXO as well. And and like my hometown where I grew up in. My background is Malaysian Indians, but my neighbors were all Chinese, Malaysian Chinese. So uh, in my hometown itself, I grew up with Malay food, Chinese food, Indian food, and Punjabi food, and that's normal for Malaysian. It's not like I have to go and hunt for something like you. And and how restaurants or, or food restaurants in 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 my hometown in Ipoh works is like there will be a restaurant and the operator would just do the drinks part of it that's all he does he just does drinks but you'd have about 10 or 12 small stalls parked outside of your shops that serve the food so you'd walk into your normal restaurant you'd order you know your iced coffee your iced lemon tea that kind of stuff like malaysian coffee is next level that's another topic um but you'd get like you know the the family will sit down there and we go like let's get 20 sticks of satay let's get two rolls of popia let's get you know Hainanese chicken rice in the middle and it's always the luxury of a big feast was always that, that was us like if food's not expensive and and we never went to massive big restaurants we always know when when dad or mom gets a promotion because when we go dad will go hey we are going to the Chinese restaurant today. And Chinese restaurant means like, you're going to like a rubies or a Golden Century. Dad will order the rice and all the standard dishes will come out. The sweet and sour prawns, the lemon chicken, the dried chili chicken, the omelette, the crab omelette. So that means dad or mom just got hair eyes. So they're really happy and that's going. But on a normal normal scale dinner, that's what we do. All They always hawker roadside food. And even mom's style of cooking, At home, it has to be a celebration where she goes and cooks like traditional South Indian food. That's when she would bring out the big guns and the pressure cooker, the big steamers would come on and be like, oh, mom's going to cook. Mom's got a feast coming. But if it's a a regular daily thing that we have at home, it's a very simple stir fry and and the Cantonese style of cooking. And that's why actually... That's why Kent, Exo, and me have this so many common interests because we literally were brothers in different worlds doing the same thing. The style of food, how we adored mom's cooking. Oh, yeah, by the way, Kent was a fat kid as well. So we we really shared a lot of things in common and, and we just grew up. like And when we came, we just clicked. We just clicked. And that's why until today and how we... We run both restaurants, the ideology, the, the standard. It, like, we almost don't have to finish each other sentence. If I start something, he knows what we're going to say already and be like, yep, cool, let's do that. And, and, yeah, that's where I think the food part comes in a lot. Our biggest connection is the love for food and also the care and attention for the love of that food.
1: What's been the biggest influences on you as you were building your career, the sort of venues you worked at and, and the people you worked with?
0: Everybody. Like, when I say everybody is, I think my first two idols growing up as a young chef, and I'm talking about young chef, like 15, 16, my two biggest, um, Chong Liu. Chong Liu is a Malaysian who was big in Kurt. Like, he was like the godfather of fusion food. Like, And for me to go, oh my God, that is a Malaysian. Which means some, like our tradition, our heritage can be bigger than that. And also Charlie Trotter. I remember saving up my first whole year of pay to buy that complete book. And in Malaysia, it was like a thousand ringgit for the set. And like, there's no way you're going to nail. But I saved a whole year to get that book because he was that that Caucasian palate chef who used a lot of Asian ingredients. To see, you know, a Caucasian chef go, he's going to use cilantro. He's making his sambal. You're like, wait a minute. What, what's happening there and that was my biggest or first introduction to to fusion um i graduated from a french higher diploma so i learned only french cooking because you know to be honest i always ignored asian cooking and when i'm i'm not going to bother learning asian cooking why would i want to learn asian cooking it's in my blood like i, I Unfortunately, I disrespected Asian cooking in the beginning as a young chef. I idolized French and Italian cooking because I go, if you want to be big, you have to have French and Italian. You have to work in a French and Italian because that's where big chefs come from. That, that was the, the mentality of me when I was a very young chef. Um, and over the years, just appreciated a little bit and a little bit more of, of how and why Asian cooking was that big. And um, only maybe about 10 years ago, really dwelled into Asian cooking as a career. And to be honest, Exo was my first actual Asian restaurant that I produced or I worked in anything before this. It was all French and Italian. Even in Sydney, when I was in in Sydney, I was doing Italian. Ever since I came to Australia, I was doing Italian. And and I, I love Italian cooking. Don't you know, I love Italian cooking. To me, I think that's one of the best foods because simplicity. What's my favorite? Pasta? Ale olio pecoroncino. Like to think that garlic, chili, and olive oil in a pasta would feed a man and be happy, that's ridiculous.
1: Has the French and Italian background influenced the way that you cook uh, Asian food at EXO?
0: I think it's given me a better appreciation of um, handling the food, uh, meaning that how you would, like, the, the, there's ways of cooking, and I use a lot of the theory of cooking and the method of cooking, like confiting, doing a proper glaze and stock, because you don't have that sort of style in the Asian cooking. You don't confit anything. You don't slow cook in oil. Stocks are not a big thing. Like they use a master stock. And and if you go to a classic Chinese restaurant, a master stock would be something that just sits on the side of the pot. And some of the traditional restaurants, that that master stock would have been running for the last 10 years. They just add water, they add the seasoning, and it is constantly simmering and they use it. And that's why master stock is such a big thing. And I use master stock style cooking for Excel, but everything I learned on how to take care of the stock properly to make sure you get the best extract or stuff, I learned it from the French and Italian style of cooking. Even starting like braising and all of that, you use that, but you use the Asian recipe. And that's how I started EXO to use all what I've learned and my experience and put it into mama's cooking.
1: EXO is such a progressive restaurant. Yeah, you know, particularly even in the new wave now. But you've been around for seven years as a restaurant. What, what were the challenges in the first couple of years for you guys as you were sort of trying to do what you believed in, and and um and in Canberra as well?
0: Actually, that's actually a very interesting one because I think some of the things that we we did, like Kent and I did in the first two years of um the Exo dining scene. A lot of people didn't sort of understand or appreciate it then. It was, it was if I would say uh, we were a little bit too advanced for our time here. And and people are like, what are you doing? Like, I don't get it. Like, it's a bit too uli dooly Like, how you, like, go to simple things. And um, I'll give you an example. Um, a low-back cow is a radish cake. And I've, I've pulled that radish cake off. It's something you can find in a Yamcha restaurant, but I've pulled that off at XO restaurant. Six years ago, I did a low-back cow gnocchi. So I, I made I made a gnocchi out of steaming radish and using rice flour. And people go like, you can't do that. That's, that's not going to work. I was like, essentially, you can. It's just because radish got extra water. But the concept and how we wanted to do we just wanted to sell Asian food but more familiar to the Australian palate. How would you sell that sticky radish cake if people don't get it or don't like it? No, you change it to something more familiar. And and that's where we went with with a lot of dish. But I think, yeah, nowadays people really trust and appreciate our palate, especially after the pandemic and we went to the set menu, degustation style of restaurant. Some people like it. Most people will go, well, why set menu? But I think set menu is good to educate people, to to show them how to eat, what to eat, when to eat. And sometimes you just have to force people to eat it and then they lean and go like, oh my God, if this was a la carte, I would have never picked that dish. But thanks, because now I appreciate that dish. And I think that uh, doing set menu was good for us to educate people and show them, hey, this is the dishes that we want to do. And, and we've pulled up some of the old XO archive dishes from back in the days and now we're like, that they were amazed they they've truly amazed by the flavors and, and how much but also because Kent and I have matured a lot as well as 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 restaurateurs and also appreciating palate and food and go look there's ways of doing it and there's a refined way of doing it we were a bit more young and raw then so it is the same dish but just more refined now and I'm glad that happened because the set menu helped a lot um and, and surviving and sustaining XO restaurant this long also just shows that, you know, Kent, and I, Kent, Greg, and I will never back off on anything. And we, we want to really showcase ourselves. And we still got a lot of tricks under our sleeves to come out and still show up. And if not, we've got a lot, a lot of archive recipes to pull back and go. When people didn't realize Kent and A.K. and Greg did XO restaurant like this, it's it's going to be comeback and and I think it it's only going to get a little bit more harder but it will be achievable in the sense of 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 doing new dishes and and elevating dishes because at one stage people were like oh what else can the XO boys do anymore like they've already done everything you know. <laughs>
1: We well, have a very different restaurant uh, as well in the group called Illy. It, it used to be Morning Glory, but it, it changed in uh, the last year or so. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us about that change and why it happened, and, and what you're doing at Illy.
0: Um, so, so I think Illy, Illy, There's a bit of a there, there was Illy, and then there's the Illy two point So the first Illy, uh, when when we did, we went for a more modern australian approach and we really liked that style and and it was breakfast lunch and dinner we did all three and we we went through using a little the difference between morning glory and illy was morning glory was an asian styled australian breakfast lunch venue so we wanted to put things that we knew could work but just not as funky as EXO, but still with a little bit of that Asian touch. Um, but obviously that, once again, I think was a bit too ahead of its time and and, and it didn't get the appreciation that it, it needed. And that's why we went to Ili. One, we also like that Ili name. And if we were going to concentrate on a little bit more of dinner, it would be hard to go to a dinner restaurant called Morning Glory. So... That part, the name changed a little bit. The colors changed a little bit. We went a little bit more lovey-dovey, dark pink, and maroon, and we went for Illy. So you had that connotation of XOXO and Illy, I love you. Um, Illy version one, like I said, was a very modern Australian approach, and it was really, really accepted. But I think that's when the beginning of the first pandemic and also the second pandemic didn't help it sustain itself. Like the first pandemic just crushed it. The first pandemic crushed it. And the venue where it was, because it was a, a uni area, it was a lot of government places area and everything went, went flat. Everything got shut down and everything. So the place struggled a little bit to to, to attract people, to attract crowd to come that side. And um, that's when Ely 2.0 approach went when we go, look, if you don't have all these universities and you don't have all these offices around that for people to come in and get their breakfast and coffees, then a morning venue is not going to work. Ely 2.0 was a dinner venue. And this time, Kent and I went deep, deeper inside of my portfolio and we went for a more European bistro take on modern dining. Which was really good because of my French and Italian background, we could pull that off really easy. And also to pull off things that that nobody was actually doing. Like things I would say Ely Food now is a modern interpretation of of classic chef CIT cookbook. With the, that's where we wanted to go because we didn't see that there was that that style that direction we had a whole silver dory with a champagne bourbon now you'd go no one does that anymore you know and and we've got this nice pork cortoletta crumbed with a grabache sauce like things that you'd go yeah I, you know i remember doing that I remember teaching that. And I think for me, the, the the chef part in me goes, if you want young chefs or apprentices now to appreciate to know basic cooking, but everybody's doing modern style version of cooking, no one will have that strong background anymore. And that's why I wanted to go to, to cooking things how I was taught to cook in a French school. To poaching and, and and making a burb for for dinner service, making a proper jus, making a stock and, and reduce like small things like that you ask young chefs now and they'll be like, Yeah, they know how to do it, but they haven't seen anybody doing it. Um, we've got a Waldorf salad and people are like, What, sorry? Who does a Waldorf anymore? And like, but they eat so many people who appreciate a Waldorf salad. We've got a cauliflower and leek pie, like done really, really classic French cookbook, you know. And, and the, the amount of people go like, where have this restaurant been this whole time? I'm like, we've been here. But it's hard because we did change a little bit, you know, concepts. And, and not, I wouldn't say it confused people, but just people just finding it hard to accept like, man, these guys are, you know, changing it and changing it. But I think this direction, this current Ely 2.0 direction is one of the proudest things that Great, Ken. Myself have done this out of town. Like me personally, like, I stand like I love EXO because EXO is my heritage. And 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 how Ken sees the you know the Asian bolognese and the m- move in. We have a nice dumpling currently on our set menu that's folded like a nice tortellini, but it's a fur flavored dumpling. So we do a lot of research to put things together so that and I, everybody understands what it is. One, it's a dumpling. Two, it's folded like a tortellini because I've got that background. And three, it's got fur flavor. Now, if you love food, you'd be like, that's got to be bang on, smack on. And it is. It is. Because we put a lot of of effort into it. But with Illy 2.0, I get excited coming up with new dishes for that because I'm digging even more deeper. This is something when I said, hey, I want to be a chef. And that's what I did, what I learned. And, and some of the, the classic French and Italian restaurants and hotels that I worked in, Malaysia and Singapore, that's the kind of things that I want to do here. Just done with finesse because no one's doing it properly. Or at least this side of town, no one has that style of bistro food. Whereas, you know, you got so many modern bistro places in, in Sydney and Melbourne. And I think that's where we wanted to go with that style of food to, to get that niche of of that older crowd, the new young crowd who loves that dining scene and just to introduce that style of food that sort of got forgotten a little bit.
1: The evolution of the food offering in Canberra has been quite extraordinary in the last sort of five or so years. How do how do you see where it's at?
0: Um I love it. It's amazing. It's challenging. I say challenging in the sense because there's so many young talents coming up in the last five years. Like in the last five years, the Canberra dining scene has gone from zero to hero. Like we've got so many good restaurants right now. We got so many restaurants who've come up and and just become. Because everybody's got so much love and passion for it, straight examples you know pilot restaurant and 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 pilot restaurant I give you the example because it is really good it is really good then you got something like bar rockford that's another like you call it a bar rockford, but what lundy and and Nick do there like the food's beyond amazing what? and and to be bar of the year. years ago it was a big acknowledgement not just for the bar and not just for nick itself but also for the canberra scene a lot of restaurants now like pilot is like known to be like one of the best restaurants in the country and that's all canberra restaurants and that's all new restaurants that have just come up and and that's why i say i love it um it's challenging because it keeps me on my toes it keeps kenti and us really alert because you don't want to be the old boys, and then you take examples of old boys, and you look at people like um, the Tromboli brothers and Italian and sons, and they've been there for a while and they're evolving. And then you've got, you know, one of my greatest idols, Ben Willis and Aubergine, and he's evolved from you know, classic fine dining to such a modern style cooking. And that's a, a, I'm very, very proud for, for the Canberra dining scene this side. And um, I'm even more happy to see what's going to come up, all these new young gunsters going to come up and bring more funky things this out of town. So it, yeah. It's-
1: You've created some amazing experiences in Canberra and continue to, to do that. What do you love about what you do?
0: Um, waking up every day and just, you know, just trying to create something new for somebody to sit down in the restaurant and go like, wow this was amazing this was an amazing experience um and i think for me also very important is the crew that i work with it's very important to have the crew that you work with are not your colleagues they're essentially your family i see i see my crew that i work with in both restaurants more than i see my wife sometimes so it's very important like th- that that's all the stuff that keep me important like these guys wanting to strive with Kent and myself and go like, hey, man, we really can make this big. We want like the crew that comes up and gets up every morning as well and going like, yeah, man, we're going to kick ass today. And some and, and we've gone through some ridiculous, challenging times. And to still have that backing of that crew always with us, striving with us, for us, is is what keeps me ticking and cracking every day.
1: Well, AK, it's an absolute honor to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story.
0: No, it was an absolute privilege (laughs) for you to have me here. Thank you so much, Huck.
1: Keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon.
0: Uh, No, we'll do. Definitely. I'll see you soon as well.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep.